A little bouncer slowly toward Bryant. He will glove it and throw to Rizzo. It's in time. And the Chicago Cubs win the World Series. I remember running home from school, turning on the TV to the Cubs game, sitting with my dad to watch his heroes. Welcome to the World Series Dreaming Chicago Cubs Dreamcast, now hanging out with Constructive View. We are not affiliated with the actual Chicago Cubs, we're just a bunch of fans who love the local nine and talking baseball, including the 2016 World Series champion Cubs. Hello, this again. With me are the fellow jabronis of Obstructive View. I got Adam, Jeff, and Skip. How are you guys doing today? Good, good. Good, all right. Sorry, my dogs interrupt. They're going kind of crazy today. <laughs> Your dogs are waiting for the rain that didn't come. There was a lot of rain in Southern California, that's for sure. And an earthquake, apparently. They got the double whammy. Yeah, I just have to iterate, reiterate my stance that uh, Southern California is not the Southwest for any uh, national publication headline writers who listen to this podcast. It is the West Coast, for sure. But I don't know if uh, it can be considered Southwest per se. I think the Southwest kind of ends at Arizona. No, I think after this pronouncement, we can safely assume that that will no longer be used to describe California. Southwest will be restricted to states further south and further east. <laughs> right. So, uh, yeah, we're recording at the tail end of game two of the Detroit series. There uh, are probably going to be much angst. Uh, tonight about a certain starting pitcher and of course the Cubs are having some starting pitching problems just as their offense is deciding to turn it on again so I guess uh, we'll talk a little bit about both you know these pitching issues again the line of construction for like the the jillion time Uh, there are some shuffling around certain folks have been DFA'd or benched Uh, we're very close to September now, and the Cubs are, of course, right now in the second wild card spot. I uh, don't know if that will change by the time we're done recording, but uh, it's a good position to be in. And uh, I thought that was kind of interesting to talk about how, you know, even Yankees fans are kind of complaining. I, I think it was actually one of their radio announcers complaining about the splintering of all the games on Peacock and Apple TV Plus and stuff like that. So, how's that for a plan, Jay? I love this plan. I'm excited to be a part of it. Let's do it. That's good. The spring gave away to summer. Past the ivy-colored dreams. Toward the days that kept us yearning for tomorrow. Yeah, so let's start with the starting pitching. Uh, the starter tonight was Drew Smiley, who... I, I don't think it's too controversial a take, but I don't think he should be starting anymore. What do you guys think? Yeah, he's a he's a reliever now. The the difference between his effectiveness as a reliever and his effectiveness as a starter at this point is uh, pretty stark. And even tonight, I 
I was not pleasantly surprised that he came back out to pitch the fourth inning after the Cubs got the lead. I, I said out loud, well, I certainly don't like the prospect of Smiley coming back onto the mound in the fourth inning. And it turns out I was just being paranoid. He was fine. Well, I missed the first uh, the first three innings. I, I tuned in the game just as Swanson was hitting uh, the first Cubs home run. So I missed, I missed the worst of the smileyness. So maybe I'm not the best person to comment on this. <laughs> you broke up the no-hitter. Great job. Although I'm very uh, impressed at Adam's ability to say that deadpan because Smiley did, in fact, not do very well in the fourth inning. And that's why he was relieved. But uh, go on, guys. I've been I've been trying to stifle my laughter at Adam's deadpan delivery. Um, you know, you'd think if there was any team that the whole opener then bulk reliever uh, thing would work with, it'd be a team like Detroit that only has about three hitters anyway. And if you could get through them and then go on to your bulk reliever, which in this case, uh, you know, should be Smiley, then, you know, that seems like the perfect uh, setup for that. Um, but I guess that's not really how the Cubs are going to use that uh, that approach. Yeah, I'm surprised. It, it seemed to work fairly well when they've done it. Like it's never been the shutdown thing. It seems like when they when they have a an opener, they typically give up a run or two. But the games where they've done it, it seems like it's it, it's still in the long run worked out all right. So it seemed like something they should have committed to in this game, but um, yeah, I guess that's so last month. I know the, the bullpen's pretty fresh now after all those off days, but it seems like the time to do it would have been, uh, I don't know, last week when they had a uh, set off days rather than now when they've got like two weeks with no, no break, not to, to gas the bullpen, but someone's got to pitch those innings, I guess. <laughs> I'd say Wesneski did a pretty good job of being the fireman the other night. So uh, that basically stopped the bleeding that started with Assad. And then, you know, Fulmer was a little bit tired, I guess. And that's why he, his command was a little off. But, you know, before that, he had been fine for a great number of starts since his early season <laughs> Uh struggles but uh you know one one bad outing doesn't negate the i I was looking at pitching long the the other day and it it was like seven or eight very good outings like where he gave up one or fewer runs and the other night he gave up three but uh thanks to the human elements uh at least the cubs could stay tied and they were able to take the lead next inning so yay yay that uh one of the big Issues though is who's going to take over for a essentially he's injured. Uh, Marcus Stroman had been on the injured list because of a hip problem, and now it's like a ripped cartilage uh, fracture. So I have no idea what happened. I don't think they know either. Uh, there's a lot of people angry about it, like maybe he was in a fight club or something. Who, who the hell knows? But uh, essentially, he won't be back for probably a few weeks, uh, if at all. Yeah, it's a really weird situation, but it, it also just seems like kind of a freak thing. I mean, I haven't heard 
one announcer, commenter, anybody say that they're familiar with like fractured cartilage. So um, it just seems like, like, I don't know how you get mad at like something happening that no one's ever heard of. Um, it, it's just a, a free thing. And it, it, it seems like the kind of thing that maybe could have been bothering him for a while. You know, like obviously there's been something wrong with him uh, since the last time he was able to pitch effectively. And it's been a long time. And a lot of that time he he was pitching. It was just not what we were used to for the first half of the season. So it's just one of those things you got to you got to deal with. And. So far, they, they've done a decent job. I mean, Assad has pitched well. Hendricks is pitching like just well enough to you know to for a a good offensive ball club to stay in the game with him on the mound and you know overall like no one's been absolutely shut down awesome but that includes the opposing pitchers so I think the Cubs are, are in a pretty decent position as long as they just keep playing solid baseball all around but they're not I don't think they're in a position where they're going to go on a, a 10 12 game winning streak uh the way that the rotation is set up right now. Well that would be an amazing feat with this current starting rotation. A 10 game winning streak. I just don't think there's enough depth for that. Here's a separate question for you guys and this this is looking into the future. At this point do you think Marcus Stroman still opts out of his contract or is this a no-brainer opt-in situation? I think it depends on how long he's out. Um I mean if he's out the rest of the year then yeah, I think he opts in or he say he picks up his option, but uh I don't know, the fact that we have so little information about this makes it hard to, hard to predict anything. Yeah, I think ribs are tricky in general, too. Like anytime you have a, a rib injury, it's, you know, that's it's really difficult to, to deal with. But if I were in a position where nobody knew when I was going to pitch again, I would probably take the money. <laughs> Like, I wouldn't be putting myself out on the market when I had this, you know, mysterious injury that that no one knows how to predict the recovery timetable. Um, Yeah. To me, unless he recovers and and pitches well uh, before, you know, there's frost on the pumpkin, uh, I I can't see him opting out. Like, I, I think it would be crazy. But, you know, that's not necessarily a bad thing, right? I mean, he pitched really well at the beginning of the year. He pitched, uh, you know, pretty well last year. Uh, he's he's maybe not a number one pitcher, but he's a solid number two. Um, you know, if he gets through the injury and, and he's fine for next year, then, uh, you know, $21 million for a guy that's going to go, say, I don't know, 16 and 10. Um, you know, you I think that's... Um, you know, right, right where it's supposed to be in terms of, you know, what you would pay for that on the open market. So I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. And even though ribs can be tough in the in the short run, um, they uh, they it, it shouldn't be something that that 
lingers on till next year. Uh, on the other hand, if he comes back and uh, and you know he puts in five or six good starts, um, which I guess is probably unlikely at this point with the calendar the way it is, um, maybe four lights out starts. I, if they I hit suppose, the postseason, you know, it could happen five or well, six. That's a good point. Yeah, and in that case, then maybe he's he does still opt out. He just says, hey, it was an injury, but look at how good I've been otherwise. And in the meantime, since, you know, essentially Drew Smiley is unplayable as a starter at this time, uh, Marcus Stroman is out for at least those six weeks, give or take. And that leaves you Tyone, uh, Hendricks, and Justin Steele. Uh, need basically two more spots. And if those three are the ones that are going the wild card round, then that's great. But you need to get actually get to the wild card round. So who's taking it other than Assad? Because I think Assad will only good for like five innings. He might be able to stretch into six if he's on a good run. But I think five is probably the limit for most of his. I've I've been pretty impressed with Assad and his uh, his fill-in start so far. Um, I was never the necessarily a huge fan of his, but he's he's impressed me at least over the past few weeks even if he hasn't been able to go super deep but again that's not that surprising considering how he's been used this year um but yeah if he if he could step it up that that would, that would be great i mean you don't really need a four starter more than once or twice so you know you can get away with Assad and piggybacking with whoever if they if they really need to yeah it's it's almost that time for the uh uh mysterious random never heard of him september <laughs> startup who flirts with a perfect game you know his, his first time up you know something like that um yeah it's when if they can get spot starts and bullpen starts you know i i i think they could they could make it work as long as everybody else stays relatively uh healthy and effective smiley sucking really really hurts the the team like his fall from grace is is very poorly timed but at the same time it seemed like we were kind of uh lucky for him to be that good so long so i guess it's not something you can get too upset about yeah i would agree with that i just kind of you know in my fan mind i would like everything to click all at once Unfortunately, that's not always going to be the case. So you sometimes have, obviously, the Cubs are scoring six runs. Uh, unfortunately, Smiley gave up seven. So what you going to do there? Uh, so one part of the team seems to be doing their job while another part isn't. And a good team, like, let's say I think the Cubs are good. Let's say a better team would be able to click more often than not. But the fact that this team, at this time anyway, is six games over 500 and still holding a wild card spot is something of a miracle. And uh, I almost think, despite some of his decisions, David Ross might get some manager of the year votes. Not from me. Yeah, not from Cubs fans. <laughs> not not that he's been terrible, but I don't think that he's uh, necessarily put his put his head up over the crowd or whatever either. Like, if you were a national writer, 
and you were looking at the Cubs at the beginning, you kind of think of them as a 500 club, which they kind of are right now. They are above 500. Uh, they might sink back down, but usually the manager of the year goes to a team that's kind of overachieving. So if you had thought that the Cubs were going to buy at the deadline, that at the beginning of the season, that would have been a long shot. So now given that narrative, that's that's why I think that he's going to get at least a few. I don't think he's necessarily going to win. Uh, I feel like, you know, the Atlanta team is probably going to win a lot of awards. But, uh, yeah, that that's the way I'm thinking. Now, the way that we consider David Russ, like the deployment of the bullpen and the construction of the lineup, that that's the kind of stuff that I think probably needs some adjustment. But, you know, for now you got and Ian Happ, who's been struggling a little bit batting third, and he's continued to bat third, which means Cody Bellinger can't get in that bat in the first inning, uh, guaranteed. So there, there are certain things that I feel like we can fix. Now, it's good that they decided, hey, we don't need three catchers anymore, especially if the third one kind of sucks as in the playing anyway. So they got rid of uh, Tucker Barnhart uh, through DFA. He's now a free agent. He's been released. Wisdom is on the bench. He's basically uh, kind of redundant. And uh, despite the fact that he's been hitting kind of well in the matchups, wh- when are you going to play him? He's kind of taking up space. And we are about, you know, uh, nine days from September when you can conceivably call up some reinforcements with those two extra spots. So I think there's going got to be some discussion of how to rework this lineup. I don't know. I mean, I think the lineup, the the roster is really, in my eyes, taken shape. I mean, Candelario being on the roster and fitting in at third or first, yeah, it makes wisdom kind of redundant, but he's still it's a, a power bat on the bench, which is is great to have, who can also be somewhat versatile, if not super dependable. Uh, in the field, um, you, you know, and having magical and wisdom kind of as like polar opposites of the same defensive uh, uh, capabilities, uh, you know, one good defender slap hitter slash occasional um, shocking home run hitter. <laughs> and then, you know, you're just, you know, Colossus who, can't feel that that great or make contact that frequently um but you know still still the, uh the big revelation to me is uh topman in center being you know such a great guy to have at the plate a good left-handed bat solid leadoff guy especially with the right-hand pitcher and bellinger being that good at first base is I didn't I didn't realize that was a, a thing, but he's so good at first base um, and, and hitting the way he is. I think now if they had been if they had had this roster all season, you know, with the up the middle defense where you have redundancy in center and this much versatility and this much play with the, the lineup. Like, I think that's the thing that kind of makes. Uh, David Ross look a little better now is that I think the 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 lineup in the roster 
from the, and, you know, aside from the pitchers is really, really good. Yeah, I think I should clarify that I don't have a problem with the roster. I have a problem with how the lineup is set up. Uh, so I, I think it's fine to play Ian Happ. I don't think he should be at any third is basically the gist of it. It doesn't bother me that much. I mean, the, he, he has less flashy stats, but I mean, he's got the fourth most walks in the uh, in the majors. So I mean, that's nothing to sneeze at, even if he's slumping a little bit now. Yeah, it's not prototypical third in the the lineup, but it is, uh, you know, he's he's on base frequently, which is not not the worst. But, yeah, so I think but, the go ahead, Skip. I, I was just, you know, I I I still I I agree with you, Ken. I think it makes way more sense for Bellinger to be batting third than it does for Hap. Uh, and, and in fact, I'd drop Hat down and and swap him out with uh, with Candelario for a while until he until he gets out of this little slump. Um, I mean, you can always move him back up, but for right now, um, you know, he's striking out a lot, and uh, you know, in the last I don't know week, two weeks, something like that. So um, it seems like shifting that around a little bit would be useful. What I, I think is uh, both Adam and Jeff are right. He does walk a lot. In that case, what, what I was thinking is that instead of hitting him third, you hit him second. Because right now, Nico Horner isn't hitting quite as well. And he also doesn't have as high of an OBP. So you get the two good OBP guys. And Hawkman and Hap up top. You have Bellinger right behind him. And then the rest of the lineup kind of falls where it may. And then you have a contact bat right behind the guys who get on base in a Nico Horner. So that's kind of the way I was thinking about it. Yeah, yeah. it's weird. No, go ahead. I, I was just going to say that's fine, too, if you want to drop Horner down to seventh or eighth and move everybody else back up, and then and then Horner's there toward the end of the lineup to set up the next, the next uh, you know, when it flips over. I mean, that that's okay, you know, for the short term, too. And they did that earlier in the year for a few games, and that seemed to get him restarted. So I, I just, you know, the when when guys slump a little bit, I think it's okay to move them around a little bit. It doesn't mean, hey, we don't have faith in you. It just means, hey, we want you to, you know, to look at, you know, look at the picture, see what's going on, take a little time to think some of this stuff through, and then work on your approach, just like they did with Suzuki. Makes perfect sense to me. Instead of being so rigid that the lineup never changes. <laughs> Right, but based on what I remember when I used to get more worked up about lineup stuff, I mean, if you mess around with like lineup simulators and stuff, a lot of these changes don't really make that much of a difference in the margins. Um, but you know, if you want to add the psychological component to it, then maybe maybe that's different. I don't know how much you uh, you, you take that into account, though. Yeah, personally, I think as as long as the runs keep going on the scoreboard, I'm 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 okay with it. Like, and I think aside from Bellinger's consistency, I don't know that there's anybody who's demanding to be in a a, a certain spot. Um, that that's that's probably the the biggest difference maker for me is that. There, there's no one who just like 
oh, he absolutely needs to get more at bats. Everybody has some kind of flaw in their their game right now, but as a whole, it's it's a a pretty solid top to bottom lineup. Um, yeah, yeah. If there was like if Morel was on a, a tear or you know he was a different hitter. <laughs> I just think everybody has has that that flaw that keeps them from being that bat that you have to put anywhere in in the lineup. So it's it, there, there's no one I think who's getting suppressed in, in this lineup who who hasn't proven to be somewhat you know undependable in whatever position they they wind up being. So I, I think it's like. Ian Happ is that, and we've probably said this before. I think Ian Happ is like the the stereotypical Chicago Cub right now. In that, oh yeah, he has a lot of attributes I like, but I'm never like, oh yes, Ian Happ is up to the plate. Look out, guys! And I don't think the opponents are ever like that about anybody but Bellinger. You know, it's like that. That's one of my favorite ways to evaluate players and teams and decisions is if you're the other team, are you glad that this guy is, is hitting or are you glad that the the other team made this move or, or, you know, are you quaking in your boots because, okay, here comes Ian Hat? No, but you know, they're dangerous. And that that's kind of what the Cubs are right now. It's no, I don't think anybody's scared to death to play the Cubs, but you're also not, 100% positive that that you can beat them. So it's just they're very Ian happy. And that's doubly true when you're in the ninth inning and uh, um, uh, your favorite player beats out a ground ball uh, and makes it to first base. Let me tell you something. Nick Madrigal hitting a ground ball is shocking. I can't believe it happened, and it's just a sign that that this is the year. Yeah, it goes to how when when I'm looking at some of these teams, like Kansas City, obviously has an atrocious record, but you know every team can go on a tear, and I think a lot of that is born out of frustration because you think, hey, we're playing crappy teams, we should sweep them ever, you know, all the way. And that's not the case. Like these guys are essentially playing for their jobs next year or for another team. So they're going to try and they're not going to lay down and, you know, and, and die on you right? uh, so easily. So I, I think this this is borne out, especially for a team that unfortunately is inconsistent like the Cubs, but has obvious obvious talents uh you know there were the three all-stars there were other guys who could have been all-stars if they had just done a little bit more or hadn't been injured uh there are guys that on any given night can destroy a baseball and i i think there are guys in the bullpen that are unsung stars and hopefully uh their performance continues to to be awesome uh, unfortunately, you know, like just like tonight, the Cubs did not, you know, what, they they will not sweep Detroit, and that's okay because like the way I was thinking about it, they just need to win series 
uh, it is impossible, unfortunately, for the Cubs to win the remainder of their 37 games or whatever is left. Not every single one of them. Uh, I think the longest win streak in National League history or Major League history is 26, and that was like a century ago. So it's not going to happen. What we'd like them to do is get to those 86 wins. And I think there is a clear path to do that. Uh, hopefully, you know, the other teams aren't like the Texas Rangers and don't just like decide, oh, I'm just going to get swept, swept by the Milwaukee Brewers. But, you know, like for, for me, this particular team, no matter what the score, I always feel like they're just a couple of base runners away, someone needs to run in the baseball and something cool will happen. So I, I haven't had that feeling about this team for a very long time. I think they they have something. It's just like, you know, it's baseball. Some Sometimes you just don't win. Yeah, this game will drive you crazy. <laughs> the you know, games against the Tigers. Yeah, you want to win. But I, I was actually pleasantly surprised with how the Cubs handled the, their starter. I mean, what was his name? Olsen looks really good. I thought, um, great stuff. A couple shaky pitches that led to four runs, but overall I was, I was happy with the, the production in, in the game, you know, a couple, you know, when all of your rallies start with two outs, there's only so much you can expect to do and you know just it didn't work out but yeah they keep winning series they keep you know just playing solid baseball and and yeah you're i don't think there's anybody who's gonna run away with the wild card or this the central uh because nobody's that great so it it'll be a last fun I mean, a, a fun last month of the season, and it'll probably also be super, super, super stressful. Well, this goes without saying, but it's already more fun than last year. So, you know, we're we're whining about Ian Happ batting third, and the Cubs are, are scoring six runs. So um, I guess that tells you how spoiled we are already. Yeah, it does kind of feel like we're playing with house money at this point. Like the, the fact that from where the team was heading into the all-star break uh, that they played this well, you know, that they're in the wild card spot still, right? Aren't they? Let me check. Yep. (laughs) They're still in good position in the wild card race. And frankly, you know, the, the only thing they're really competing for at this point is home field advantage in that, that opening round, which hasn't even proved to matter that much, just, you know, this far since they've been deploying the style. Uh, yeah, you, it, you just need to get in it and it's a much clearer path to them doing it now than it looked when the season started and definitely better than it looked a, a month and a half ago. Well, and honestly, I think just to circle back to that, uh, will David Ross get manager of the year votes? I think that's why he does it, right? Because a team that's down, it's 10 games under in June, 
and then uh, is where we're at right now. Um, you know, the writers will look at that and say, that's a pretty good job. So I don't think he'll win either, but I think uh, I think they'll recognize that. And I don't think they'd be wrong in that sense. I mean, I, I think if they'd be looking for that story in the uh, NL Central, they'd be more likely to gravitate to whoever's managing the Reds now, whose name on this escapes me right now. Is it David Bell? I can't remember. I think so. He's he's whoever it is. It, it, I can't be confident in his name because I'm also never confident when I use him for my immaculate grid answer. I I get David and Buddy confused, and one of them is a lot more helpful than the other. It's David Bell is the is the manager, but um, I, honestly, I don't have a lot of faith in the Reds um, keeping this up. I think they probably fold up some more. Um, and you know who knows the uh, uh, writers might not like him that much. None of the umpires do. Do writers actually like umpires though? I, I don't think they care. But I, I like the the part where you talk about like the in season narrative, uh, even if it is in the abysmal NL Central, uh, so to speak, going from ten under to six over or now five over anyway. It's still pretty impressive, and I think it takes like a steady hand to do that, even if he pulls the wrong strings every now and then. Like, you know, there there are probably bunts and pinch hitting and pinch running decisions and other things that we can complain about in another episode. But for now, uh, the fact that they are in position uh, to go, get into the postseason, if the postseason ends today, which it doesn't, uh, I think. What is it? 37 games left. So 37 games left, uh, 65 and 60. They need to get to 86 wins. That's 21 and 16. That's perfectly doable. Yeah, I do think I not that we're planning this as the topic to go to, but if we're talking manager of the year candidates in the National League, um, you know, the NL Central is not as bad now as as the way it, it seemed to be early on. Um, I don't think uh, Marmol St. Louis is going to get many votes, but I do think Craig Council is probably uh, going to get more than a few just because there have been so many teams that everybody expected to be good who just, you know, crashed and burned this year. Um you know, the, the Cardinals and the Padres, the uh, chief among them, the Mets, uh, how, how dare I almost forget the Mets, you know, all these teams who looked poised to be so good and just were terrible. So the, the, the fact that the Brewers have just kind of been this steady force and he's been there forever and is not ever all that splashy of a manager. But um, I don't know, I think having somebody like him and just having a good system and a good culture in place and have that work for a team is it probably speaks pretty loudly as a, a really important thing to have on your team and in your franchise. So I, I do think council is probably going to go down as maybe the Brewers best manager ever, but definitely one of the guys who, who turned out to be somebody who probably knows what he's doing pretty well. I mean, can you really give the award to the guy who uh, 
probably still gets carded every time he buys a beer. You got to give him something if you can't give him alcohol. I, I just remember he had a really goofy uh, batting stance when he was with the, the one, the first uh, Florida Marlins team that won the World Series. And by the time he got to Arizona, it got really, really goofy. So I just always remembered him as the original batting stance guy because it was just like, how can you hit a ball like that? But apparently it worked for him and he parlayed that into a very successful managerial career. Unlike certain other teams, uh, you guys saw what happened to the White Sox, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. GM uh, and Kenny Williams got fired. And I was like, wow, you didn't do that several months ago, but whatever. Sure. Jerry Weinstorf, uh trying to sell the team or trying to like ask the city to like rebuild the, the, the cell or whatever the hell is called now and or relocate or whatever. I don't know. They, they were saying Nashville uh, or maybe that was just like somebody uh, kind of hypothesizing. But I, I feel like the White Sox just can't leave Chicago. They're too ingrained into the into the fabric of the city. Who wants them at this point? I mean, can you imagine taking that job, like working for the White Sox right now? This guy, Reinsdorf, who has a reputation for being, among other things, the most loyal baseball owner toward his his coaches and front office guys. And he just cleaned house when the obvious, obvious worst decision in franchise history he was responsible for and bringing in Larusa for two years, you know, literally out of the the police station, <laughs> he got arrested for a DUI like a day or two after being announced as the manager, and they stuck with it. And like, I mean, I don't know who didn't think that was a, a terrible decision, and and he he makes every other person take the fall. For that colossally terrible uh, decision, like I would love to work in baseball, but uh, Reinsdorf would definitely not pay me enough money to to do it there. Man, I just was just flipping back to baseball reference. Like Kenny Williams has been either the GM or the president of the White Sox since 2001. It's like even Cashman is like, well, that must be some job security. <laughs> Cashman was mid-90s, right? Because they won all those World Series while he was there. Was he the GM then, though? I'm not entirely sure, but I know he's been with the team since like that first uh, Jeter World Series. If only I was on a website where I could look this up. Yeah, oh, ahead. yeah, Cashman since 1998. Oh, okay, I was wrong. Well, uh, Reinsdorf even said... That he that he thinks of Kenny Williams as a son to him, um, and and I guess in some ways it's kind of true because he came in pretty young and he has been with the team for a long time. But I'm with Adam. Uh, I think that'd be a terrible job to have. Uh, I, I mean, I, I I'd love the job security, but um, gosh, you know, I'd really be concerned about you know the the owner going you know doing things that. Uh, undermine my position yeah i thought when you said that adam you meant like who wants the team as in relocating and i was just gonna say 
well, obviously Vegas wanted the A's for some stupid reason, but somebody's always going to want the baseball team. But you guys have a good point. Like, who would want it? And it'd probably have to be somebody kind of young, like out of an Ivy League school, because that's where they usually hire these guys, which is another story altogether. They probably should hire some, like, slightly different, uh, let's say, demographic than Ivy League uh, grads. You know, there's... They're not going to. I mean, Reinsdorf isn't going to do that. <laughs> he he just won't. Isn't Jeff Lunal, if he say if that's how you pronounce his name, isn't he still looking for a job? He he probably fit there pretty well. I don't I think mean, he's. He, I don't think he's a good enough ass kisser to fit well with Reinsdorf, based on what I've heard of his personality. Uh, well, he did build a World Series winner though. Yeah, I don't think that's what Jerry Reinsdorf cares about. <laughs> I think yeah, Jerry Reinsdorf I mean, cares about Jerry Reinsdorf. You, you got you got to look at Reinsdorf's history with the the Bulls as well, and just see, man, that dude. He he got rid of Michael Jordan and Phil Jackson after three straight championships. It was like he couldn't even keep them them in house he's kind of had this system going in baseball um where he's had a lot of a lot of the loyalty that he's shown has has been returned and they you know they they did win a world series even though (laughs) it's constantly forgotten that that even happened but uh yeah he's he's just he's a guy that lets his his personal crap get in the way all the time. Um, yeah, I just, and that, I guess that's kind of what I mean. If you were to sell the team, I think, yeah, just about anybody would love to have a, an MLB franchise right now. Um, but yeah, if Reinsdorf is attached with it, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I I wouldn't mind seeing uh, him get away from Chicago, but I also don't think there's a chance in hell of that even coming close to happening. But he's at least the, uh, I mean, he certainly isn't the worst owner in major league baseball though. I can think of at least two that are worse, right? So Oakland and Baltimore. So, I mean, uh, he's not the bottom of the barrel. That's true. At least that's, Baltimore that, that's a pretty stuck. terrible barrel. <laughs> yeah, Baltimore actually is good, uh, despite the owner. Uh, the other two are just not a product that you want to actively consume, let's just say. Yeah, but Angelos has already told their fans to uh, enjoy the players while they can because he's not going to re-sign any of them, just like uh, the guy from Cleveland did a long time ago. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Do, do you mean like uh, with the spiders, <laughs> like that that story when he traded he traded Cy Young and the rest of the team to himself? Or are you talking more recent past in Cleveland? No, no, no. Uh, Dolan was the owner uh, of of Cleveland. I, I don't think he is anymore, but I, I can't remember. And you know, um, back in. You know, as as a lot of their players have gotten good, he's like, well, enjoy them while they're here because we'll never be able to resign them and we're going to trade them off. Um, not, not the uh, Cleveland Spiders, no. <laughs> Though it is kind of funny how history repeats itself. 
It's really too bad that Cleveland didn't use the Spiders as a new nickname, but I guess the Guardians have like a city significance or something because of the statues on their bridge. Yeah, everybody's in love with it. <laughs> that, that, that poor that poor city. It's bad enough Cleveland has to live in Cleveland without having to deal with terrible names, but here we are. At least the Cavaliers did win a title, so that, that was nice for Cleveland for a change. So, you know, good for them. Uh, circling back to the Cubs, uh, we are close to September. Who who we calling up? Uh, the big names are probably Ecro Armstrong, who is basically beating the hell out of the ball. Uh, Matt Mervis, maybe. Uh, David Bodie is, for whatever reason, still on the team, but I don't think he's an option. And uh, probably a couple of pitchers. If Ben Brown actually gets himself uh, right again, uh, he's already on the 40-man, so that seems like a, a good option. And then, like, I, I don't know. I feel like it's really premature, but he's obviously been pitching well enough. Uh, Jordan Wicks has uh, kind of been clamored for by the uh, prospect crowd. So I, I don't know. Guys, what do you guys think? Uh, who Who is coming up for those last two spots in September? So can you remind me, does one have to be a position player and the other a pitcher? You have a max of 14 pitchers and 14 position players. Uh, no, the max is 14 pitchers. So you can have like potentially more than 14 position players, but you ha- you can only have maximum 14 pitchers. Well, I think they call Jordan Wicks, uh, I, unless Ben Brown comes back healthy and uh, and uh, you know just dominating right off. I think Jordan Wicks is probably going to be called up, and they've got room on their forty-man roster to do it. So he's your late season. Where'd this guy come from? Uh, call up that uh, looks surprisingly effective. Hopefully. I'd really love to see Pete Curl Armstrong uh, up in the bigs if for no other purpose than a defensive replacement. Um, it it would I would I'd really like to see uh, Talkman Bellinger and uh, Crow Armstrong in the out in the outfield at the same time, um, just like sorry guys, you're gonna have to either hit a home run or an infield hit. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think, I think that would be the most fun to me that I don't know how much value any of them are going to add in terms of the team's ability to close out the season. So I'm just looking at what I would enjoy and, uh, why not keep, keep the, the great defense going, uh, make it even a little better, at least a little more. Uh, enjoyable to watch. Um, that's what I'd like to see at this point. Do you guys catch the snippet about how they're trying to, at, at some point, to play Pete Crow Armstrong in the corners rather than center, where he's obviously the next one? And it just kind of uh, makes me wonder if it's because of the fact that Wrigley's center field is more shallow and the the wells and the corners are, are more deep, and so they want him get more room or if they really think that he can't do as well as Talkman and or Bellinger. It, it's kind of a weird thing that I just saw in passing. 
it could just be to get in more reps than the other places too. I mean, every team loves players who can play every position. But of course, everyone loves elite defensive center fielders as well. But uh, I'm the wrong person to be talking about minor leaguers, so I won't say anything more. <laughs> I I really don't think it has anything to do with his ability to play center. I think it's just uh, that they want to give him some reps where he's throwing from different angles and seeing the ball off the bat a little differently than he would uh, in center field. Though he did play center field again tonight. Do you guys happen to know like wh- where the uh, pitching rotation lines up for, for Pittsburgh? Because I know Tyone goes in the final game against Detroit. And at that point, I think it restarts with Steele, correct? Like, it, was there enough of a day uh, of time in between starts for Steele to go on Thursday? I think so. I don't know. I, I only counted up to, um, to the Brewer series for the game I'm going to. <laughs> Which I, which if everything lines up right, will be a, a style start. But I think he starts right after Steel, so that would be Tuesday. Because okay. the Pirates series starts on Thursday, that would be Steel. Steel, I think, yeah. was the six to four game, right on on Saturday, and then Kyle Hendricks was the Sunday game. Or did I did I get that wrong? No, I think you're right. Yeah, I think you're right. I just don't know if they end up tweaking it if they are still wanting to give Steele any additional rest after his his longer outing or or what. I don't know. I don't know what to expect. Because yeah. the off day is just after the Brewer series. It's on the 31st. So there is an off day built into the schedule. And after that, in September, I don't think there are very many off days anymore. There's one, one, two, three. So there's there's like another something like uh, 10, 13 games in a row uh, after that off day. So it might be a good idea to build, build in an extra rest day, or maybe they can skip a smiley start. <laughs> I, I highly doubt that he starts again, but I hope... Uh, they, they figure it out because I honestly don't think the Pirates are going to go over Cubs this year, even though that's basically what it has been so far. But uh, winning the season series against the Pirates, yeah. and 3 would be cool. 13-0 and 0 would be awesome, but I don't think that's going to happen. Well, the, the problem with that off day on Thursday, the 31st, is that there's a doubleheader in Cincinnati on the first because they have a makeup from an April game that day. So, um, yeah, it's great to get an off day, but you're going to blow it the next day anyway. So, um, of course, you do get to call somebody up. So maybe that's where you get, uh, um, you know, we get 29 guys because that's September 1st. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So that September schedule. With that doubleheader, it is looking kind of rough seeing three off days total in the month of September. And, you know, them all being later in the month. Um, man, what is that? I, I can't, I can't count, but. <laughs> Uh, it looks like 13 games in a row. 
Yeah. I mean, yeah. anything will be better than that crazy, what, like, 40-game stretch or whatever they had a couple years ago. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, there have been some doozies. So off days are travel days between two, uh, I guess you would call them Southwest series with the Rockies and the Diamondbacks. And they also have to go to Atlanta and then back to Milwaukee to end the season. So that's going to be a really rough end of the season. They do need to bank some of these games, especially if the D-backs are going to fall out of it, if the Giants are still competitive and the Reds, obviously. All these guys, like Adam said, they're, they're going to be rough games, except maybe for the Rocky series. Well, the Braves, you never know if at that point, if they're coasting a little bit, you know, if they start to rest some starters a little bit more because they might have their their position secure um, for home field and the playoffs and, you know, the 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 buy and all of that. I mean, I don't think it's going to be a cakewalk, but they might not be getting a 100% committed Atlanta Braves team at that point, which sometimes that turns out to be worse anyway. So who knows? Well, and the, the D backs haven't been falling off. They're eight, eight and two in their last 10. They kind of, they kind of, I think they swept San Diego uh, to knock them further back down in the, in the wild card standings. And so they seem to, despite not really doing anything at the trade lit deadline, they seem to have caught fire since then. Maybe they're just pissed at their uh, general manager. Maybe. I, I think uh, they, they definitely need to finish this road trip strong. Uh, it starts with winning the finale, uh, which I guess by the time this thing airs, you'll find out one way or the other. Uh, they should probably still go like run the table against the Pirates if possible. And then when Jeff is at Wrigley, uh, sweep the Brewers. That would be fun. And that'll basically guarantee that they're in first place, right? And it's up to the fates. Yeah, it's. I, I think it kind of goes back to the, the theme of how they're kind of rolling at this point is they just have to keep not losing series you know keep winning series and just don't get swept that's you know when you're playing these these teams who you're your faith you know you're competing against in the in the wild card like the Giants series is going to be pretty huge that whole that whole week cincinnati giants diamondbacks um diamondbacks twice colorado like all their games against Arizona and Colorado are like right now it's, it's so weird. So weird. Um, but yeah, you just, you, you can't, you can't get swept. Like even if you lose a series, it's just one game in the, in the standings, you know, it's not, it's not the end of the world. It's getting swept is where it, it, it just all crumbles to the ground. Um, and that's the thing, like they're not playing like a team that you're going to have an easy time winning a series against or sweeping. So I guess that's what feels a little a little better. Yeah, I do agree with everything you said. Uh, speaking of watching the games, uh, my wife is technically a student, so we, we can opt into the free MLB.TV for the remainder of the season. 
how are you guys actually watching? Are you are you guys even subscribed to like Peacock and Apple TV Plus and all that other crap? I have a bunch of them, but to be honest, since I listen to still a majority of games on the radio, it doesn't bother me that much. <laughs> well, yeah, so I have been. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Adam. Uh, I, I have been working from home uh, a lot more these last uh, several weeks. And so, yeah, I, I, I'm watching on all the subscription services these days. And uh, yeah, but we still do a lot of having the radio on and just whatever station it's on, it doesn't really... It doesn't really affect me that greatly. Um, I do like the look of Apple TV games uh, the most, if if I'm being honest, or even if I'm lying through my teeth. I still like like Apple TV the best in terms of the visuals. Yeah, the one Peacock game I watched, I did not uh, did not enjoy the presentation or production whatever whatever you want to say but i just switched the radio and i was fine <laughs> well, we i think pay i liked go ahead go ahead we we pay for mlb tv and and i like that i can watch the game but listen to pat and ron on the radio feed um and and honestly for 150 bucks or whatever it is every year um you know if they're going to start watering it down then you know, I, I'm not really sure. I might just go back to the audio and, and quit watching the games and just pay 25 or whatever the audio feed is. Uh, I, we do see Apple TV. I think Apple TV is really complicated to use on my particular TV. Um, and then the rest of the streaming services we, we haven't tried. So I'm out of uh, the Chicago area, so the marquee app to, is, is really not – well, I guess it's not really um, – you know, in the, it's really not relevant to any of us uh, on on the on the uh, discussion today. Yeah, none of us are actually. Well, Adam, you're te- you're technically in Chicago, land. Are you in the coverage area, or are you blacked out? I am. No, I, I'm in the I'm in the coverage area for sure. So I get marquee. Um, it, it. I I know other. Uh, Twitter users have bemoaned the insane amount of time that they make the game take up about a third of the screen or less and just surround it with ads and, you know, drop-ins from Taylor, Tyler, whatever her name is. You know, there's all kinds of extracurricular activity where you're not seeing the game. And that that is what I like most about uh uh, Apple TV is that I think they saturate the screen the most with the actual game. Uh, they have the sparest graphics, and I don't know why that's so difficult. Like TVs are so amazing <laughs> now that the picture can be so beautiful. Why did they screw it up with with ads? And I mean, we know. We know why it's because they, you know, just sell every ounce of real estate that they can. But God, why not make it look good? Is, uh, it, is it different on the cable broadcast and MLB.TV? Like I haven't really noticed it. 
when I'm streaming, but maybe uh, maybe it's different. You might see you might see different commercials, but uh, the they essentially pipe in the marquee feed at on a delay, you know, or like two or three pitches behind live TV, which I think live TV is like seven seconds behind the radio for whatever reason. But uh, yeah, it, it's essentially the same. You're you're seeing what Marquis is showing, and Adam is essentially correct. Like uh, they do a lot of let's just say questionable things that have nothing to do with the baseball game. And I do like the announcers. I think they're great. I think they tell good stories. I think they also uh, they they have a problem just sticking with play by play and trying to. I guess not everybody can be Pat Hughes or Vince Scully and call a pitch and then move back to the story. Like, I don't think Boo can do that very well. But, you know, when he makes good calls, he makes good calls. I, I think they yeah. can. I mean, I mean, they just need to every, do that more. Everyone's adjusting to the pitch clock. I mean, my only real beef with Barkey is that I wish it was just Boog and JD more often. Not that I'm the hugest Boog fan. I just hate that they rotate so many people through. Um, though I love it when Pat Hughes is on, so I guess I can't complain that much. But just to stick to just stick to one color guy. Yeah, and I I would like to see Sutcliffe never uh, appear on my screen again. I yeah, I, just I can't take it. I I agree. Like like I I I take back my comments. He he was he was the color guy on like a West Coast road trip they did earlier this year, and I was like, oh, I'm actually enjoying Sutcliffe, but. After the past uh, appearance, I was like, nope, no more Sutcliffe. <laughs> I, retract an attitude. My, I retract my earlier comments. It, it's an attitude thing with him. If he's feeling like kind of laid back and just, you know, not not fully engaged, he's a much better broadcaster. As soon as he like gets in, we're competing mode and like I'm going to help the team win by what I'm saying, I, I, I can't listen. I, I can't. I can't stomach it. it. It is painful to my soul to hear the man like try and will everyone to do the greatest thing ever in the history of baseball that he totally would have done if he was playing right now. And if they would just listen to him, then everything would go right. I can't do it. Yeah. Whenever, whenever he gets on the old, like, Oh, you know, well back in my day type stuff, it always drives me crazy, but somehow it doesn't bug me when, when Coomer, Starts going off with like RBI guys. I'm like, ah, oh, it's just Coom. It's fine. But man, Sutcliffe, it drives me nuts. Yeah, I think because Coomer is gen- like, he doesn't have the same ego deal going that that Sutcliffe does. So it's like, I can disagree with Coomer and still enjoy what he's saying. And Sutcliffe, I, I just want to drive off a bridge. So I, I I totally agree with what Jeff said uh, on Sutcliffe. You know, earlier in the season, I listened to him uh, announce a few games, maybe in San Diego, and I thought, man, you know, he's he's really not as bad as everyone says. And then last week he was on, and uh, he was awful. Um, I, I've been surprised at uh, really how interesting Joe Girardi is as a as an analyst, but. Um, but really, they ought to just settle on uh, JD all the time, and you know, for ten games a year when he can't do the announcing, then they bring in Girardi. Uh, at least that'd be my pick, or maybe Ryan Dempster, and then and then nobody else. Um, I like Doug Glanville. I like the some of the other guys, but just this this constant rotation 
um, it, 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 it's really, it feels very discordant. So, um, and, and to the same extent, uh, you know, that's also why I don't like having to watch games on multiple different platforms, right? So I want to be able to tune in and, uh, and settle into the game and know what I'm going to get. And, uh, and sure, I'd like for MLB TV to be a little more spare on some of their stuff. I, I appreciate what you said on that, Adam, with Apple TV. But, um, you know, if, if, if I'm going to pay 150 bucks, I want to get all the games except for the ones that are on uh, the Sunday game of the week or the Monday night game of the week. And every other one I think I should have, um, you know, that ought, ought to be available to me. I feel like even the Sunday game and the Fox game shouldn't be blacked out. Like if you're, I, I don't know, like if you're paying for a season tickets, like you get the 81 home games, right? Like you should get the same for their TV package. And I get why a lot of people just don't spring for MLB.TV because of, first of all, like if I were to do it, I'd be blacked out of all the Giants games, which, you know, honestly, I don't care about. But if I were to move back to Chicago, now I'm completely blacked out of all Cubs games unless I get the marquee app. And the marquee app is already costing like, what, 20 bucks a month, which I guess is, you know, on par with what, you know, the Yankees or Red Sox are charging. But still, like, it's another thing that you have to pay for. And I, I think I'm okay with paying for content. And, you know, this goes into like the actors and the writers are striking and content is important and you should pay people a living wage and all that. But, I feel like it's a it, it's a little higher than I'm willing to spend at this time. So it would be nice if they could do what like the Phoenix Suns owner is basically doing and just saying, hey, we're going to put all your games on for free over the airwaves and you're going to be awesome fans and buy our merch anyway. And we'll make our, back our money in space. Like I wish they would be a little less short-sighted and do something like that. But I don't think we're ever going to get there again. Yeah, it's too bad. It should be easier to watch a game. <laughs> the, and I think it's only, I do think it's a matter of, of time before the blackout restrictions uh, go away because they just keep pushing the gambling so hard and you can't, you can't have gambling when you can't watch the games. Like you, you kind of, you know what I mean? Like if, if you're selling the ability to bet on everything that happens in the game, it has to be easy to watch the game. And it, it's obviously where they're going. It's obviously where, you know, the, the ungathered money is. So they're going to find out, they're going to find a way to to make viewing the games wherever you are easier than than what it is but for now we're still in this limbo period where if you're the streaming services having having sporting events on i'm sure drives a lot of new subscribers you know people who only have peacock or only have apple tv or whatever because of one show they like or one sporting event that they needed to sign up for it uh to get so i can see why why they're doing it too but um yeah yeah i think it's going to get easier not not more difficult the the more time goes by but 
yeah, it's just really screwy at this point. Yeah, until they uh, figure out all the all the different issues, the legalities, and just MLB basically buying back uh, local broadcasting rights from a lot of the teams, except for the big, I guess, four or five. Uh, it, it's going to be this splintered and fractured and kind of unfortunate, but I, I only really care about watching one team for now. And also, it, it would be nice if I could watch the postseason, like, at, at whenever it occurs, uh, whether the Cubs are in or not, I'm probably not going to be able to watch it until the ALCS of the World Series. All right. So Adam just had to bail, and that gives us the clue that we probably have to bail as well. So however you decide to watch the show, uh, however you decide to watch the Cubs and whoever else you decide to deal with uh, baseball-wise, I hope that it's a lot less difficult. Uh, maybe maybe the gambling thing really does save streaming. Um, I don't gamble, so I wouldn't know, but I guess that's a good point. Hey, Ken, I'm going to give you an odd statistic or performance, um, just, just, you know, because I always come up with random crap. Shane Green, the Cubs, you know, they picked him up off of waivers from somebody, maybe the Yankees. His last appearance for the Cubs, five innings, four hits, one walk, six strikeouts. Um, looks like no runs allowed. Do you think the Cubs are really turning Shane Green into a starter? Maybe he's the oddball call up that uh, saves some of the bullpen later in September. Uh, I feel like they're not willing to call up uh, Jordan Witch just yet. So that that might be like an easier one to just see how he does in September and then get rid of. You can't get rid of a Jordan Wicks. Like once he's on the 40 man, he's on for life, you know, <laughs> or until the rule five or whatever. So yeah, that's it, right. It makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, at this time, it looks like the Brewers are still, like, they're beating up on the Twins pretty bad. And uh, I don't know what the Reds are doing, but the good news is for at least another couple of days, the Cubs will hold a, a playoff spot. Whether they continue to do that or not, we will find out together. But uh, thank you guys for joining me today. Uh, of course, you can find us all on what remains of Twitter and other social media. I am on Blue Sky now. Someone gave me an invite. Uh, same username. Uh, we also, like, I, I joined the Discord. It's very interesting. Uh, people get cranky on there, but it's it's overall a very enjoyable experience. Much better than Twitter. <laughs> uh, yeah, you can also find us on obstructiveview.net. Uh, I want to thank Rich Deanna for a theme song, Randall Sanders for pulling the final out call for the 2016 World Series. Any last words, gentlemen? Don't let your minor kids get on Discord. <laughs> oh, too late for that. Well, he's not minor anymore, but he's been on Discord. I was, gonna, for a I was while. just going to say Discord is great. So, uh, point counterpoint. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Here's to the Cubs 
continuing to win series, including against the Milwaukee Brewers. So go Cubs. Go Cubs. More than just a game.